I frequently tell people I can't watch videos on my phone. And it's mostly true. I'm still using this phone from 2017. And it wasn't great even when it was new at watching YouTube. It wasn't great at watching YouTube. It wasn't even great then, but it's gotten substantially worse to the point where it's not that my phone literally can't do that, that it can't try that function of watching a YouTube video. It's that it's extremely difficult. So I just tell people I can't get videos on my phone. I can't watch videos on my phone. They still send them anyway. And it doesn't make me mad, but what I think it's comparable to is when someone doesn't use the right pronouns with you. That sounds like a low-hanging fruit joke that some reactionary pundit would make, but I think it's probably similar. Where it's like, I've told many people, because it's usually the same people, they'll send me these links and I say, I can't, watch th- I can't watch anything on my phone. But what's weird is they almost seem pissed off by it. Not pissed off, but they almost seem f- frustrated with me. Even though I'm not lying. I'm not lying. The response is usually kind of frustration. Like, just try it. Just do it. Why not? Similar to what I pointed out a while back, when I tell people how old my phone is, which isn't insanely old, It's a technical, a technological device that was virtually unheard of 15 years ago. But when I tell people that my phone's from 2017, they go, why? Wow. Without fail. And usually it's because they're asking me to do something with it. They're asking me to download something. People ask you to download stuff all the time. A girl I work with, she's always like, what? do you have Cash App? Do you have, uh, do you have uh, whatever the other ones are? Do you have cash up? And I'm like, no. Why? Why not? These things that people use often, they, they always ask you why you don't have it. And I'm just like, I've never had to use it. If I owe someone money, I can just take cash out and give it to them. I've just never, I've never had a, a reason to use it. But what's interesting is people question you. It's like, oh, I just I just don't have it. I just can't watch videos on my phone. But it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's like somebody not respecting your pronouns. They keep sending you YouTube links on, through text messages and you say, I can't view this. They keep doing it. They don't listen. They keep treating you like somebody who can watch YouTube on their phone or wants to for that matter. Because I don't. The thing is, on top of the on top of the fact that it's ex, it, here's how I'd put it: it's extremely inconvenient for me. It takes a, a very long time to load, and often it doesn't even work right. And then there's always ads, because I watch YouTube on like an old version of Firefox on my computer, and it has ad blocks, so I don't have to watch any YouTube ads. I don't I don't pay for any kind of YouTube premium or anything like that. But just the version of Firefox I have at home just blocks out ads, and it's nice. I don't have that on my phone. So on top of how long it takes for it to load and just try to work, I have to go through at least two ads, and I have to skip through it and do all that. It's just not worth it. And whatever they're sending me usually isn't worth it. That's on top of everything else. And I'm not a dick about it. I just keep it simple. I can't watch things on my phone, but they continue to send it. They treat me like somebody who can watch YouTube on my phone, which I'm not. 
But yeah, going back to like like people questioning you, people seem kind of frustrated with me. Probably like somebody, like you say, like, oh hi, I'm Eric, uh, and they say like, hi, I, I'm uh, I'm Maze. My pronouns are uh, z, you know Z and Zos. I'm not even trying to make a stupid joke from four years ago. I'm just outlining a, a, a scenario. My name's Maze, and my uh, you know my my pronouns are uh, Z and them, whatever. And then you continue to call her her because it's, it's probably going to be a her. Uh, and that's probably how they like. I feel how they feel when someone keeps sending me YouTube links, even though they know. And I don't expect it's it's. I'm not really that upset about it. I'm just kind of making fun here, but uh, it is one of those things where I don't expect people to remember that they probably they're probably sending YouTube links through their phone all day long, and I don't expect them to make a special note for me that says like don't send him YouTube links. But it is something that I, I have to say repeatedly, and they don't seem to get it. And sometimes they even seem a little frustrated with me because of it. I want you to have to consume this. I want you to have to watch this. I like it when people s send me things. Don't get me wrong. This isn't about sending me things. This is about sending me videos on my phone. Email me things. Message me things elsewhere. Tell me about things. Recommend things. Because that'd be different too. If people sent me a text message and said, hey, check this out on YouTube, I'd be way more likely to do it. But to make matters worse, when they just send a link, all you see is this YouTube link, so you don't even know what to look up. You have to click on it to even know what to search for on your computer. Like, I have to click on your text message YouTube link to even know the title of the video, and that it, I can't even do that. So just tell me the title of it, and I'll look it up. I'll look it up on my own time. But anyway... um, it's just something that, that kind of comes up more and more, and I don't even talk to that many people. I hate everybody I know because they just send me YouTube links. No, it's thoughtful. Like, hey, check this out. Like I said, I, I have nothing wrong with recommendations, people sending me things. It's just as simple as, like, I can't view this in this certain way, and I don't want to either. Even if I had the perfect phone, the, the PP, even if I had the PP, the perfect phone, and I could watch everything smoothly, and it was just a wonderful, easy experience, I still wouldn't watch very many things on my phone. Because you either have to wear headphones, which I don't do. I've never once in my life plugged headphones into my phone. And I have no plan, on, I have no plan to do that. Talk to me in a year, and I'm just walking around with headphones plugged into my phone all the time. But no, I, I, so I don't like want to watch things on that level because I'm very sensitive about what other people can hear. Even if it's nothing wrong, I just, I don't really like other people to hear what I'm hearing. If I'm watching something, it's not even about me like keeping it from them. It's like, I don't like to subject other people to that. The most I'll do is blast music from my car. But like even when I used to drink and just blast music, blast music at my old house, I really didn't like that my neighbors could hear it. They had to because I wanted to listen to it loud, but I really didn't enjoy the fact that I was subjecting other people to it. 
But if it's something that involves dialogue, like if it's a podcast, a movie, anything like that, I really don't like other people to hear it. I really don't like to subject them to that. So I don't like to watch stuff on my phone on that level either. And even if I'm in private, I don't. Like, even if I'm at home, it's just, you have to like set it somewhere or hold it. Like, and I, I don't have any of these things that hold your phone, that prop your phone up. It's just, it's too small for that. I have better ways of doing it. You know, it's weird that all we moved so far away from computers. Something I've realized with like working with young kids, they really don't have much computer experience. And I was, I, I heard that for years. You know, for the last like five or so years, I've heard this, this uh, idea that like, oh, like Gen Z, are, they're going to suck at computers. Zoomers are going to suck at computers. I, it made sense. The way I heard it broken down made sense because it's like they use phones and pads so much that uh, they're really not spending that much time on computers like the main millennials did, like me. You know, kids, like e even normal kids who just used AOL and stuff learned a lot about computers. I knew like popular girls and people growing up who knew an amazing amount of computers just because you just, if you're online, if you're hanging out on a computer, you just end up learning things. But kids haven't been doing that for years. Like I remember uh, my friend's little brother who's, I don't even think he's a Zoomer. I don't even think he's a Zomer. He's like seven years younger than I am. And I went back up to visit his family. My friend's family went to their house when his brother was, before his brother moved out. I think he was like 19 or 20. How old would he be now? Oh, he'd be 30. That's insane. No, he was, he was older than 20. He had to have been... He's probably in his mid-twenties. And I went up and visited and I saw his room and it was just empty. Like they had three boys. Like the oldest brother was my best friend. So he had like his room was just like even after he moved out for good, his parents still had a room for him. And it's still like it, it's a, you know, a museum of who he was in high school where it's like just posters creatively placed like flyers, like little just little things like just tons of movies, VHSs even, you know, just all kinds of stuff. And then you go in the middle brother's room and it was kind of, you know, less nuanced, but it was like a, a big dazed and confused poster, probably a sublime poster, but still posters, like a reflection of interests and things. A TV with a, with a, a Nintendo plugged in and DVD player or something. But then you go to the little brother's room who was probably 25 or so at the time. This is probably like five years ago or so. And it was just bare. And he had a, uh, just, just, he would just sit, like lay on his bed and look at his phone and watch things on his phone. And then he had a safe in the closet with a dab rig inside. A dab rig. So he kept a dab rig. It was one of those plug-in dab rigs. He kept that in a safe in his closet and he would take it out when he smoked. But other than that, it was just barren. It kind of blew my mind. I was like, it's like my old joke that I said in college. Like they, they went around the room in this seminar class I had and they said like, say your name and something about you. Say your name and something about you. 
And when they got to me, I just said, Eric, no hobbies, no interests. And nobody laughed. Like I thought, I've, I've mentioned this on here before because I'm so stupidly proud of it. When in reality, it just, it was, it just brought more attention to me. It just, but nobody thought it was even funny. They just were like, oh. Like the random girl in the class is like, my name's Megan, and I like raccoons. <laughs> um, but uh, Eric, no hobbies, no interests. But that was always a joke because obviously I have a ton of hobbies and interests. And then I go to my friend's little brother's room and I'm like, oh yeah, no hobbies, no interests. Like this guy's living it. And I like the kid. I'm not even trashing the kid. I think, and I don't think every kid lives like that, but it just kind of blew my mind. And now like working with kids who are even younger, kids who are like nine years, 10 years younger, even, even younger than that. There's an 18 year old. I'm just like, these kids don't, these kids didn't grow up using computers at all. And not, not everybody did who's my age. But there was a, a, a phase for a while where if you were born in the mid-80s or later, you were just good at computers just because they, they you did a lot of computer stuff in school. You know, you did it at home if your family had a computer and an internet at home. So it was like you just absorbed a lot, even without knowing it. You just kind of learned how computers work. And then it reached a point, though, where that's not how anybody was spending their time. That's not how people were... There was nothing to absorb. And uh, it's kind of wild, though, that things went that way. Because the idea, I think the assumption everybody had is that the kids are just going to get really good at computers and it's it's just going to keep going. They're just going to get better and better at computers. They're just going to get better and better at computers. And that's just, you should see these kids. They're just going to get so good. And then it, that's not what happened. It peaked. And I've benefited from that professionally. Like, it's not like all of these little, even though these Zomers are digital natives, they came into the world, into this world that's half digital, half organic. It's not like they just became computer. I mean, they became computer. That's, that's basically what happened. They became computers. So they no longer had to know how computers work. And then that leaves people like me, people, I would say, but born between like 1983, maybe a little older, let's just say 1983 and like 1995. And if you were born, I, I'm just throwing those numbers out there. I'm just, those are, I'm just randomly throwing those numbers out there. But point being, if you were born within that a certain window of time, you absorbed a lot of computer knowledge. It was, I was kind of hit, like getting at this the other night when I was saying how, how many kids grew up writing emails or really using email much outside of, you know, something you have to, like an attachment you have to send to an employer or a, uh, for school or something. How many people really have experience just writing emails? Probably very few. I mean, I was thinking that, you know, I was talking about Facebook the other night. I had a thought after I recorded that where I was, you know, some of these kids that I know now, they were um, born, I mean, this kid who's 18, like he's he's an outlier, but these kids who are, like, let's go with a 24-year-old, a 24-year-old born in, in 1999, 
It was like eight years old when I got Facebook. Many people had it a few years earlier. Many people my age already had it in college. But he was eight years old. Like he grew up and his parents were just using Facebook. It was just something he accepted. It was institutionalized. It wasn't something like, oh, mom's on Facebook now. Oh, my mom's using Facebook. Is that crazy? It was just something normal that was all around him. You're early, like, like if you're a kid born after 1999, or these, these kids I work with who were born in 2003, if you're born in 2003, like, your earliest memories are like going to the local diner, but the diner has a little, uh, like a placard on the table that, with like a Facebook F that says, find us on Facebook. Like, that was just all there. You don't know a world before that. You don't know a world that didn't involve people taking photos everywhere you go with their phones and being able to immediately share them. I don't even, I'm not even commenting, I'm not even like qualifying that, whether it's a good or bad thing. I'm just saying that's all they know. And I hadn't had that thought until recently. Obviously, I'm aware of the fact that certain people are born later. Like, I know people have been born in the last 20 years. And that they only know the world they know. But meeting them as adults is a whole different story. And I haven't even brought this up or talked to them. I'm just aware of it. Where I'm like, oh, this, is, this stuff is just normal. Like, this is as normal as the telephone was to me. And I think about that feeling a lot. That feeling of... For me, it's like certain... Um, it's not even technology. It's certain media, I guess you'd say, where when I was a little kid, like I always remember Roger Rabbit. I love Roger Rabbit, but I always remembered, I I always like go back to Roger Rabbit as my example, because as a kid, like I saw Roger Rabbit probably a couple years after it came out, but in my head, this had always been around. I didn't realize that this was a, a new idea. Like, obviously, you know, it's crazy Disney made Roger Rabbit. But uh, I didn't realize that um, that Roger Rabbit was, like, a new idea. Like, it, obviously, it's a caricature of old cartoons combined with, like, film noir and this and that. But I, I just thought, like, the character Roger Rabbit... The, the world that movie is based in. I thought that was something that had been around a very long time, and this was like the latest incarnation of it. But no, it was something that someone made up in the 80s. Yeah, it was influenced by other things. It was caricaturing other things. But it was just something new that came out, and that kind of blew my mind. Like, this feels like it's always been around, and it's something that everybody's always known about, but I guess it's not. But at the same time, Roger Rabbit kind of hits on that. Like, Roger Rabbit does kind of feel eternal. Like, it hits on some sort of something eternal. And what I've found is that a lot of people have, a lot of people have formative experiences with Roger Rabbit. And I've talked to him about it. Like, a lot of boys, including me, uh, Jessica Rabbit was the first cartoon character they found sexually attractive. I don't find a lot of cartoon characters, a lot of cartoon character is sexually attractive but Jessica Rabbit's obviously sexually attractive you're not you're weird if you don't think that you're only weird if you don't think that 
But other things too. I mean, that's obvious. That's just like little boys like, oh, wow. A sexy cartoon. But the other thing is, um, like my friend Miles, I remember talking to him about Roger Rabbit when I first met him. Because I, I used to bring it up with everybody. And he was saying, like, he had to be removed from the movie theater when he was a kid seeing Roger Rabbit. He was a few years older than me, so he saw it in the theater. He had to be removed by his dad from the theater because he thought one of the weasels was going to throw up. And I was obsessed with the weasels. There's this, like, troop of weasel gangsters, and each one's unique. There's, like, the crazy one. They each have a different personality. <laughs> and they and they're like their <laughs> their movements and everything are insane, but I guess Miles as a kid he was watching it and he like, thought one of the weasels was going to throw up. It doesn't, but in his head he he thought he was about to see one of the cartoon weasels throw up, and he he got so he was so disturbed by it that his dad had to take him out of the theater. That's a formative experience if I've ever heard of one. But anyway, I just thought it always it had always been around. It was kind of weird to me to wrap my brain around that. I think that was one of the first things I thought about when I tried drugs. When I tried smoking weed. I think one of the first things I thought about was the fact that Roger Rabbit hadn't just always been around. It was something that was new when I saw it. Relatively new. But I, it was just there. What's crazy about Roger Rabbit, this is just a Roger Rabbit episode now. Talking about other things? No, Roger Rabbit's all, all there is. But uh, what's crazy about Roger Rabbit is they never made a sequel. With the way that they milk sequels today, and even in the 80s and 90s, especially in the 90s, they were making all kinds of sequels. If something was popular, it was almost guaranteed a sequel. And it would have been so easy to make a Roger Rabbit sequel. I don't remember what happens to him in the end. I think he just drives off into the sunset with Jessica or something. But... uh they easily could have just made anything. They, they could have made the shittiest Roger Rabbit sequel and it would have made a ton of money. It would have been easy to do. But they didn't. And I think that's noble. I think it's noble. And it, that's as far as I know, as far as I know, they never made a sequel. I know they, he made appearances, but I don't believe, I, I know for a fact, prove me wrong, they never made a Roger Rabbit sequel. And that's amazing. But they, uh, anyway, it was like, I was at a point about just thinking something's always been around. Like I had that feeling about Roger Rabbit. It's so many other things that are around you. I had that feeling about Arsenio Hall. I had that same feeling about Arsenio Hall. Because some of my first memories, I must have been four or five years old. I don't remember what year Arsenio Hall became a TV show, but it was just a late night TV show. And my mom would watch it late at night before bed. And in my mind, my mom loved Arsenio Hall. I don't even think she did. I think she just had it on. I think like my mom, she was the type of person who would just have the TV on and she'd watch it, kind of watch it. Sometimes she'd be doing her crossword puzzles. Sometimes she'd be in bed. But I have these, and I think it was on every night. I think it was one of those late night TV shows that was on every single night. So she would just have Arsenio Hall on. And in my mind, my mom was the biggest Arsenio Hall fan in the world. But in reality, I don't think she gave a shit. It was just uh, something to have on, a late night TV show. They have interviews, guests, that kind of thing. But I also had that same feeling where I was like, oh, this must be something that's always been around. 
I don't even know how popular it was. You know, he was a big name at the time, but I don't even know if it was on the level of, it definitely wasn't on the level of Jay Leno or anything. Arsenio Hall, he's definitely not on the level of, of Jay Leno. But uh, just in my mind for that small period, 1989, 1990 is probably when that was. I just was like, oh, Arsenio Hall is an institution. Arsenio Hall has always been around. And my mom must love Arsenio Hall. She watches it every night. She must love it. But, you know, and I brought it up to her before she died, like on her deathbed. When my mom was gasping her last breaths of air and unconscious, I said, remember how you used to watch Arsenio Hall? Um, um, no, I, I talked about it with her like a couple years before she died. I was like, remember how you used to watch Arsenio Hall? And she was just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like she's like, oh, I loved Arsenio Hall. I loved Arsenio Hall. It was just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But in my mind as a small child, like, I made it out to be this institution. An institution in our country. An institution in my mom's taste. But it was just something that was on every night. And my mom would just have it on. Because she had the TV on all the time. So that's Facebook to kids today. They just, their earliest memories... They can remember it being around. They remember seeing the logo in restaurants. You go to a, a business and they say, find us on Facebook. It's just something that's always been there. The same way like I would have felt about seeing a, a phone number for a business. Yeah, of course they have their phone number listed on the building. Of course, when you go inside of a, a store, there's a, a phone number listed on the wall. Of course. But at some point in history, that was new. At some point in history, when phones were new, you would have had people being like, wow, they have a phone. That biz You can call that store. You can call a store. That would have been a big deal at some point in history. Like someone would have lived in a world where that didn't happen. Stores didn't have phones. You couldn't call a store. So it's no different with anything newer like Facebook or anything like that. But it, I guess just what got me going on this is just kids don't know how to use computers today. And I think about even if you were trained on today's computers, there's things that they've removed. Like something I had to learn just because I wanted to do certain things was the idea of, of going into like the program files of, of, of a game or a, or a program and having to like drop something in a folder, even installing a font. Just to install a font on your computer, it's like you had to like copy a file from, you know, from one folder to the next and like go into the program files. I had some game where you could download skins, what they called skins, to make the characters look different. It was The Sims, actually. I played the first Sims for a little bit. It was fun. But you could download these skins to like have custom characters, but it was kind of hard to do it. You had to you had to learn where to drop these files. It was actually very easy if you knew how to do it, but it wasn't something you could just intuitively do on your own. 
you had to go to some website that broke down a list on of how to do it, where to go. And there was a lot of stuff like that. You know, you just had, you kind of had to dig around inside of a computer and hope you don't fuck something up. And so even if a kid was trained on today's computers, like I noticed years ago, Windows stopped allowing you to do a lot of that stuff. You can't just like explore the, not the back end, but you, you just, you can't explore like the mechanics of your computer, you know, from the desktop like you used to. And as a result, you don't know as much about how it all works. Um, so that's something that changes, but, uh, going back to, uh, oh yeah, YouTube, was I, was I done with YouTube? How people not respecting my request that they not send me YouTube links through text message, how them not continuing to send me YouTube links and getting frustrated with it makes me able to relate to people who have changed their pronouns, people who have changed their protons, and how it's like, I keep telling you, it's it, it's this, but you keep doing that. I keep telling you I'm this. I'm a guy who can't get YouTube links, can't watch YouTubers on my phone, and you keep sending them to me. You're not respecting who I am. That's kind of part of my identity, right? And while I don't expect special treatment or for everybody to have a note saved that says like, oh, don't send Derek YouTube videos, I kind of understand why that's frustrating. But a lot of people do that. A lot of people watch things on their phone. A lot of people only watch things on their phone. I mean, there's, there's people who go home and do that. And it's okay. I just don't do it that way. And then uh, kids in particular. Kids kids in particular. You know, that's been part of their formative experience. And I guess what gets me about that is, is just how small it is. The idea of consuming things. I, and I like small things. I like miniatures a lot. I like when things are scaled down, even graphics and that kind of thing. Like if you take a good band logo, it's almost always going to look better scaled down, made a little bit smaller than it will scaled up and made to look bigger. I think the same is true for all kinds of objects. I mean, there's objects I see around that I couldn't care less about. Not to be mean, but there's objects I see out in the world that I couldn't care less about. But if I see them in miniature form, I'm immediately intrigued and I want it. And I've had this thought forever. You know, I've had this kind of dream or vision forever where if I was wealthy and I had all the time in the world, I could see myself just losing my mind in a world of miniatures. Just setting up an entire basement. I mean, tr like people have the train dioramas and things like that. I've never cared about the trains, but the idea of having a basement where you just have these tables with elaborate dioramas, I could easily see myself. Like if I just decided to cut ties with everything, if I just decided to give up on everything, but I had an endless stream of income and time, 
I could see myself just spending a lot of time in a basement building elaborate dioramas, and I think I would enjoy it. But point being, I don't like videos scaled down. If I'm going to watch something, I don't want to see a scaled down version. Even though I like scaled down images, I like miniatures, I like small animals, I like small things in general. I don't like small videos. So I especially don't want to watch YouTube on my phone. And I mean, I'm holding my phone right now like the same way I would if I were watching a video, I guess. I don't like to have to hold my phone this way. But even if I had like a dock, you got a dock, a phone dock, a phone dock. Even if I had a phone dock or something that I could stick my phone into and watch things that way, even worse. That feels almost punitive. I would feel like I'm being punished. Like sitting in a chair watching my phone feels more like a punishment. It feels either like a necessity, like I have to do it, or a punishment. A necessary punishment. But, um, I don't know. I, I just realized, though, that, like, the things that have become normal... I, I don't know. Like, like I, I want to go back to when people kind of question you for not doing something. Oh, Eric, do you have Cash App? No. Why? Oh, do you have this? Oh, oh your phone's from 2017? Why? Why? I don't have a reason. You know, I, I have no reason. I will eventually adapt if I have to. If if survival or pleasure or both depend on it, I'll eventually adapt. But I just don't have it. There's no more to it. I can't watch things on my phone. Why? I just can't. I don't want to either. I don't want to, and I can't, and I can't think of any better reason than those two. This land is mine. God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children and run free.